love you tonight. The camps are starting uh, for the Georgia District. Hyphen starts tomorrow night, so let's be praying that God will move in our young people. We want to see a continued revival. we got great young people uh, in our state, and we've got a lot of great young people right here in our church. And let's pray that God will continue to bring revival in our young people. And you can be seated tonight. There's a uh, opening. I've got scripture to read, and it's more than I'm going to then I'm going to make you stand for. <laughs> I want you to have to stand for that, that lengthy reading. But um, anyway, um, last few weeks, seems like through several different messages and lessons that we've talked about uh, the importance of God's Word. And um, you can't stress the importance of His Word enough. Just simple scriptures that we read let us know that we are born again, not of corruptible seed, but by incorruptible, the Word of God. You've got to have the Word of God to even get close to that new birth experience. Scripture says we should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus prayed and said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Uh, your word is a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. I've hid your word in my heart, so I won't sin against you. I mean, over and over and over, there's no shortage of scripture that stresses the importance of God's word. Uh, submission, we've talked about how that submission uh, to God's word uh, is where our power comes from. And um, as long as we're under submission to the word, we have the provision of the word. God's word won't return void. It will accomplish. It's going to do what it's supposed to do. So we, we know that, that that word is important. And then last couple of Sundays, we talked about God's word, the unsinkable word of God, how that Peter walked on water because he was obedient, had faith in the word that Jesus spoke. And then last week, uh, this past Sunday, we talked about uh, what are we saying to our problems? What shall we say to these things? What word are we using? What are we saying? How are we speaking to the things that come against us in this life? And, and so I, I, I guess maybe it's um, something that I just, you know, I don't normally just stay on a topic for weeks and weeks and weeks, but I feel like that um, there is slowly become coming a departure from uh, people sticking to the Word of God. And I know that Scripture says that there'll come a time where there'll be a famine and it won't be for the natural food, but it'll be for hearing of the Word of God. And if there's a famine for people hearing the Word of God, now that's that can be two things. It either means somebody's not preaching the word or people are just stopping up their ears uh, and not receiving it. So whichever way that's going, I feel like that people who are the church, that the church needs to uh, really make the emphasis that we are still a people that are who we are because of the word of God. Yes. That we are not just a club. We are not just a social group. We're not just... Uh, a building and we're not just an organization but we are built on the word of God that is forever settled in heaven and, and gives us what we need to make it in the day by day and uh, I, I see it just from if you've been around if you've got friends and people that you've known over the years you watch you'll see people that slowly slowly uh, fall in away letting go of things that once they claimed were so important to their life and um, I just, 
I don't see turning loose of my lifeline and then expecting to live. Come on. You know, uh, I don't see letting go of the stuff that that called me out of darkness into marvelous light because you'll just slide right back to darkness. It's it's not, uh, I read the Bible through one time, I'm good. Daily, I believe it's daily bread. I believe it's something you need on a daily basis. I believe it's something you need to spend time in and and read and study and and meditate upon these things. Anyway, uh, tonight I'm going to just show something. As I was reading uh, a couple of weeks ago, this actually came to my mind and I jotted something down. But um, I want to read from 1 Kings chapter 13. And I'm going to read verses 7 through 10. It's a story of a man of God. It doesn't give him a name, doesn't say his name, uh, but he comes to um, speak a word that God has given him to Jeroboam. And Jeroboam doesn't like the word, and the people there that he, the word that comes from this man of God is against their kingdom. And when he reaches out to put his hand on the man of God, his hand withers up. And then he he pray, he asked me, he said, pray, ask the Lord. He said, fix this. You know, he realized he made a mistake. And, of course, the man of God entreats God for his hand. His hand is restored as it was before. And in verse 7, after this miraculous happening, the king said unto the man of God, come home with me, refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. The man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so was it charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. So he went another way and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. There's an older prophet in the land that uh, hears about what this man of God has done, and he asks his sons, where is he at? What's happened to him? Which way did he go? And they tell him, and he saddles his, his donkey, and he hops on it, and he takes off. And in verse 14, it says, This old prophet went after the man of God, found him sitting under an oak tree, and he said unto him, Are thou the man of God that came from Judah? And he said, I am. He said unto him, come home with me and eat bread. Second time he's been tried with this this same offer. And he's, same answer. He says, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread, nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, thou shalt eat no bread, nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. He said unto him, I'm a prophet also as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. So he went back with him and did eat bread in his house, drink water, and it came to pass as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet that that brought him back. And he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, For as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but came back and has eaten bread, drunk water in the place of the which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread, drink no water. Thy carcass shall not come into the sepulcher of thy fathers. 
And it came to pass after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he saddled for him the ass to wit for the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. And his carcass was cast in the way and the ass stood by it. The lion also stood by the carcass. And so I want to uh, just teach more tonight, I think, and just point out some things in God's Word. But with this uh, thought in mind, simply the cost. Let's pray for the lesson. Lord, thank you for your Word and the life-giving instruction it brings. It gives us faith. It encourages us. It helps us. It corrects us. Tonight, let it find good ground in our heart so we can be better, be changed not only for the life to come, but for the life that is right now. And Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand tonight. I know it's got maybe a little heavy for a moment, but uh, I know that, uh, that this is important and that God has, has laid this on my heart tonight. And, and I want to talk about this and maybe ask us, how important is it? for us to completely obey the Word of God. I would ask Noah maybe, because the Scripture says that Noah was able to build an ark because he moved with fear and moved by faith, being warned of things he had never seen. But he saved his family and he saved uh, at least two of every creature that was on the earth from a flood that destroyed the rest of life. And he did that because the scripture says, Noah did all that God had commanded. There is no, let me pick and choose and figure out which commandment I want to keep. It's the word of God and it's forever settled in heaven. And all scripture is given by inspiration, all of it is. And so we need to make sure that we are looking in to the Word of God and how important it is to obey the Word of God that is working in your life. When I read this story of this man, just reading through it, it automatically brings me to Paul's letter that he wrote to the churches of Galatia. And in Galatians, the first chapter in, in verse 6, Paul had written here, let's see, chapter 1 and verses 6 through 9. Paul was writing and said, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel, that sound familiar? I'm a prophet like you are, and an angel told me to tell you. He said, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed as we said before. So say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have received, let him be accursed. So no man, no prophet, no angel has the authority to change what God's Word says. You cannot decide that it's not relevant for this day or this hour. If it was relevant then, it's relevant 
now. It's God's word. And the thing is, is when we read the story of this, this man of God, he's not even named, but uh, he gets a word from the Lord and he sees it working in his life. He executes the word. He goes and he speaks the things that God says to do and the signs that he says would happen, the altar being rent in half. It all comes to pass. Works just like God's word says, and yet uh, something is trying to stop that word from working and keeping him safe till he gets home. And it's like that for us, is that we have seen that this word works. Why would we be trying to change it or walk away from it, or bend it, or shape it so it will fit this culture today. Why not just leave it like it is? It was good enough when we fell down in the altar to repent. It was good enough when we went down in the water to be baptized in His name. It was good enough when He filled us with the Holy Ghost. It was good enough when He healed us from diseases. It was good enough when He put our lives back together. Why all of a sudden is it not relevant anymore? It's not true. There is a high cost for disobeying the word of God. And this man had a word from the Lord. He didn't get sent by another king or another messenger. It was the word of the Lord that told him, don't do these things in this land. Don't do it. Now, let's look at some points in the story of this man of God. The first attempt to try him is right after the miraculous has happened. He has just spoken this word. Everything has happened. He watched this king, watched his hand wither up, and, and uh, he, he's seeing the miraculous happen right in front of him. And it's easy when you're f- fresh in the afterglow of the miraculous to stick to the word of God. He had just entreated God for the king's hand and his hand was restored and, and so, boy, he's feeling good. Everything is working like it should. And, man, I have just come here and preached a message and the results happened just like he said. When the enemy tried to grab me, God stepped in and protected me and then I prayed and his hands were restored. Man, God's with me. Everything's fine. And when the king says, come on back to the palace with me and have something to eat and have something to drink, and he's like, He's so bold, and he don't even think, man, I wouldn't even take half of your house if you offered it because God said not to eat in this land, not to drink in this land, and not even to walk back down the same road that I came from. I'm sticking to God. And so it's easy. It's like that with us. Man, when we get that first miracle, when we're, everything's going great in our life, man, it's so easy to just stand up and say, nope, I am living by the word that saved me. Everybody's zealous when that Holy Ghost first hits them. Paul said this, to the, or the writer of Hebrews said this. Sometimes people say it's Paul, whether it was or not, but Hebrews 10 and 32, call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of affliction. Man, you would slap the devil on his front porch and call him a liar when God got a hold of you the first time. Yeah. You'd charge hell with a bucket of ice water. You were worried about nothing. 
God's on my side. Man, when God moved in like that and God moved in your life and God filled you with the Holy Ghost and you saw Scripture was real and things were happening, it didn't matter what you faced, man. You didn't care. God will do it. God will take care of it. And you endured a great fight of afflictions. He said, and partly these things came because you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you became companions of them that were so used. When you, you remember how people treated you when you sit, joined the church? And they like, all you want to do is hang around with your church people. And all they, they brainwashing you. And they turning you into something else, and you ain't like you used to be, and and uh, you know they they want to make fun of you and mock you because you've been born into another family. It doesn't mean you don't love your your natural family, but you're part of the family of God, and you can't ignore what God's done in your life. And then he says, "For you had compassion of me and my bonds; you took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. Nothing, nothing bothered you, knowing in yourselves you have in heaven." a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. It has a great recompense of reward. It didn't matter what you was going through. Don't let go of what got you here. You wasn't about to turn around on what saved you. If it delivered you from an addiction, you weren't about to let that go. If it, if it put your life back together, you weren't going to let that go. Man, if it washed those sins away and helped you and made you an overcomer, if it healed your body, you weren't about to let that go. We need to stick to the word of God. If it was so good for us then, it's still good for us now. But what I see is that people who were called out of darkness in the marvelous light have now decided that some things are just okay, that some things are all right, that they're not hanging in there like they used to. Now, this first attempt on this old prophet, this man of God, it, it, like I say, it was right after the miraculous. He's, he's good. He's strong. He's, his faith is high. But after he leaves that scenario and he's by himself and he's walking down a road by himself and, and he finds himself now sitting under an oak by himself after he's journeyed a while, after he's been on his walk for a while, the offer comes again. Hey, come to my house and have bread with me. He's weary. He's tired. He's probably as hungry. But the Bible says in Galatians 6 and 9, let us not be weary in well-doing. You don't give up and, and satisfy your flesh just because you're weary. You don't turn on the Word of God just because uh, you're a little tired or you feel by yourself. You stick with God's Word. Guess what, old man? It got you to the king. It got you from the king, and it's going to bring you all the way home. God didn't bring him there for him to die of hunger. God knew you don't need to eat in this land because I'll get you back. But he's sitting by himself. But this is a, why, why did he stop anyway? When we stop moving, when we stop walking in the ways of God, and when we sit down and just quit for a while, all you're doing is waiting for the enemy to catch up. You're just waiting for something to, to, to sneak up on you so it can offer you something. When you sit around, maybe, I don't know what he's thinking about. Well, you know, nobody's patting me on the back now. Nobody's saying, hey, that was a great word now. I'm just here by myself. And, and here comes somebody else tempting him again. And every time, both times, it is directly against the word that God had given him. It's the way the enemy works. 
It happened in the garden. It was directly against what God had said. God said, if we this tree will die, you shall not die. Same way. Hey, old man, come eat some bread in my house. Come drink some water in my house. Come refresh. Uh, well, you know what he does? He quotes scripture. That's basically what he's doing. He's quoting scripture because he quotes what God said. But quoting it and obeying it ain't the same thing. Remembering scripture and applying it ain't the same thing. But what he needs to do is remember it worked the first time and it turned that temptation away. It ought to work this time. But so now the prophet realizes, okay, he's going to throw scripture, so I'm going to lie to him. An angel said, I should bring you to my house. Boy, people love to hear about angels, and I believe in them. Oh, angels and spiritual things and, hey, all this stuff, and people get real mystical and crazy and stuff and start quoting stuff and, and luring people away. He's trying to find some way. I'm going to get something. I'm going I'm to reach him with something. If he won't come by that bread and water, if, he, you know, if, if that's not what he wants, then, hey, what about these angels I, I talk to? And, uh, and, you know, hey, let me tell you, if God is going to change his word, God will tell you. Because no prophet, no man, no apostle, and no angel from heaven has the authority if, if an angel comes and tells you something that is directly against what God has told you, that angel's lying. That person's lying. Your best friend's lying. Your schoolmate's lying. It might be your family lying. But I'm telling you, if it goes against the word of God and it's trying to get you to move away from what God's word said, what you have already obeyed, what has already been working in your life, if it goes against that, it ain't true. And you better be real careful about walking away from the word of God because it can be life or death. We have people all the time say, well, is that heaven or hell? It can be. Yeah. And so he's interested. And, and, you know, he says, hey, I am hungry and I am tired. All of a sudden his appetites have changed. And it's not for obeying the word of God anymore. It's for taking care of his flesh. Because somebody lied to him and told him, hey, I entertain angels. And oh, by the way, I'm a prophet just like you. You ain't had nobody say, hey, I believe the Lord just like you do, but I don't have to do all them things you do. My, my church don't believe in all that stuff. Hey, it's just food. Hey, it's just a meal. God don't care if you eat, does he? God knows we have to have food. He knows you have to have, he knows that prophet's probably tired. He knows he's a little weary. Oh, it's just, it's just clothing. It's just a TV show. It's just music. It's just, hey, you know, it ain't nothing big. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even about the food. It was about the word of God. And if the word of God said don't eat, then you don't eat. And so it wasn't about, you know, people all the time, well, is that heaven or hell? If it's in the word of God, it's heaven or hell. 
And don't be jumping on us because we're saying, hey, God said don't do that. If he said don't do it, don't do it. Because this man thought, well, hey, it's just bread and water. And if an angel said to go, but God said not to go. And God's not going to send an angel or send somebody else to directly contradict what he told you and what was already working in your life. And if it brought you out of darkness and now somebody's telling you, hey, you need to come over here with us to this place because, hey, you know, we get to do whatever we want to and we still run the aisles and we still talk in tongues. Hey, guess what? He could have ate when he got out of that land and he'd been fine because he'd have been obedient to the word of God. But what he did was he broke God's word and he went ahead and had something to eat and it cost him his life. The cost of disobedience is much higher than the cost of obedience. You'll never be hurt by obeying the word of God. But when you disobey it, and I'm telling you that that is the way that this world is headed today, is that people who have, listen, I don't have to worry about Catholics or Methodists or Baptists or any of that messing with me. You know who it is? It's people that have fallen away from this apostolic truth. I love them, pray for them, but you better be careful about spending too much time listening to somebody who will talk about your church and talk about the word that you believe and put down the word that you believe and say that stuff's not relevant anymore and that stuff don't matter anymore. It does matter. It is relevant. It saved us. It healed us. It filled us. It washed us. Let me tell you, I'm not going to walk away from what God said. See, if people say, well, why does that matter? Because God's word said it mattered. God's word said, don't eat. It's just food, God. It's just, it was a piece of bread. But I said not to eat in that land. But he said he was a prophet. He was. But he lied. Because there wasn't no angel. And I didn't send him. The only time God spoke through that prophet is when he told him, because you have disobeyed, now you won't be laid in the sepulcher of your fathers. And he was killed by a lion while he tried to ride home. He tried to get back on the road himself. He tried to go and get before he could get back on the road and get going the way he should go, he was killed. Well, there's a roaring lion going around, seeking whom he may devour. He won't get you when you're strong in the word. We talked about it the other week. When you get out of submission to the word of God, you become a prey to the enemy. Because when you're not listening to the word and you're not obeying the word, you lose your identity and you lose your authority. You lose your protection. I, I completely believe God intended this man to come home. But he didn't because he didn't obey what God said to do. He went a little ways in it, and that's the way it is today. Oh, I've done that for years, but I believe now I've, I've gone far enough. I can kind of do what I want to do. You can not. Hey, you know what? I'm, I still believe it the way it was preached to me. 
I believe it. It changed my life. It called me out of darkness. And, and it, it wasn't made up. I didn't get a handbook from somebody and say, this is what I think about it. Everything that was preached to me was preached out of this book and preached out of this word. And I didn't just take them at their word. And our pastor never encouraged us to take him at his word. He said, you study it and you see it for yourself. And we did. And I believe today that there are things in God's word that still matters even if it is uh, 2019. And if, it gets, if we live on this earth to 2050, there will still be things in God's word that are important. And guess what? It's going to be more than Acts 2.38 that's important. It's going to be more than John 3.16 that is important. It's going to be these uh, things that it takes to live for God after you've been converted. The word was given to the man. How come it wasn't enough to just keep him? It was if he'd obeyed it. And the word of God is always enough if we obey it. This man's belief in God was not in question. He believed God. He went and ran an errand for God. He went and spoke to the king and did those things just like he was told to do. It wasn't his belief. He believed in God. But it doesn't matter what you believe if you don't obey. Because, again, you can be a king, you can be a prophet, you can be an apostle, or you can be an angel, but disobedience is never acceptable to God. Disobedience is never acceptable to God. Ask Saul about it. Destroy all the Amalekites. Don't leave nothing don't leave anything alive. Saul comes back and sees Samuel, greets him in the name of the Lord and says, I have totally, completely, fully obeyed the word of the Lord. And Samuel said, well, if that's true, then how come I hear all these animals carrying on? Well, the people, there he is, the people, putting it off on somebody else. You're the king, bud. It's going to start with you. And the word came to you, and then you related to the people. Well, we kept all the best. I'm sure there were some spotless lambs in those animals. There were some animals that were ready and good for sacrifice, but God didn't want sacrifice. He wanted obedience. And Saul lost the kingdom. It was realized that day when he rent Samuel's mantle and he told him, he said, God has rent the kingdom from you and give it to someone better. There's a high cost for disobeying God's word. There's a higher cost for changing it. The scripture says if we take from it or add to it, that he'll take away our name out of the book of life or he'll add to us the plagues. Listen, you don't need to change it because it's perfect like it is. You just need to read it, study it, meditate on it, obey it, live by the word of God. We've got to stick to God's word. There's some scripture in Psalm, Psalm 119. It's almost completely about this love that this guy has for God's word. In Psalm 119 and 31, he says, I have stuck unto thy testimonies, O Lord, put me not to shame. 
I preached one time. I said, I don't even believe this is a word, but I said, people need some stickability to God's word. He said, I have stuck unto your testimonies. I, I, you know what, when something's stuck, I'm stuck to it. I'm, in other words, I don't turn to the left or the right. I don't let go of it. I don't back up on it. But I have stuck to your testimonies. Let me not be put to shame. Oh, Lord. You know, you'll never be ashamed. You'll never have to hear the Lord say, depart from me if you stick to his word. In verse 33, he said, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Sounds like the way Paul said, I fought a good fight, I've kept the faith. I, I, I stuck with it to the end. The time of my departure is at hand, and now I'm ready to be offered. And here's what I did. I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I've kept the faith. I've stuck to God's word, the things that he gave me. And guess what? Paul knew God's word and, and lived God's word and, and, and he suffered for God's word. And yeah, maybe he could have he done a lot of things to alleviate some of his sufferings, but he knew I've got to preach the word and be instant in season and out of season. I've got to do what God's word says to do. In verse 41, he said, Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. Everybody loves God's mercy. And everybody loves his salvation, and it comes from his word. You're not going to be saved without the word. The mercy that he has, all this is found in his word. Man, there is no substitute for the word of God. In verse 42, he said, So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproaches me, for I trust in thy word. You'll have an answer for the enemy that's saying, hey, come eat bread in my house. Whatever temptation is coming your way, you'll be able to answer just like the Lord did when he was tempted in the wilderness. It is written. James said, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. You'll endure temptation. You'll overcome temptation when you stick to the word. If above all else you can say, no, the word of God says not to do that. Guess what? The word just saved you. That's why the writer said, I hid his word in my heart so I don't sin against him. You know what protects him from sin? Here comes a temptation. He runs through the Rolodex of God's word. Nope. The word says it is written and it saves him from falling in that temptation. The word of God saves you on a daily basis. It keeps you from going the wrong way. Whenever, whenever you're, you're, you know, somebody, hey, come here and go, go do this with me, and all of a sudden you remember, nope, because the word says to abstain from the very appearance of evil. When they start telling you, hey, you can come. You don't have to participate. Just come hang out with us. No, because the Scripture says to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. Let me tell you, there's some things that people need to get back to the word of God. And start, we've got to, we've got to make a stand on it now because let me tell you, this world will erase it. They'll start, they're, they're going to say it's not relevant. It doesn't matter. They're going to preach new doctrines and new things. And they're going to start saying there's a new way and there's a new revelation. All these things, but it's not true. God's word is forever settled. He's not written any other new book. There's no other testament coming. There's no new chapter coming. It's, 
right here, right now, what it says in here, this is what's going to save us, keep us saved, and get us to heaven. This is how you will live your life uh, successful day by day. It's by sticking to the word of God. It is life or death. The word is life or death. We've got to keep the word of God. Back to Galatians chapter 1. Just read through these three verses again. So Paul says, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. But it's not another. It doesn't exist. If there's another gospel, somebody has changed the one that is already existing or they have written their own thing. But it doesn't exist. It moved you from the gospel of Christ unto another. How could you walk away from him? Walk away from what he did. It says, but though we or an angel from heaven. Now, Paul was not a, a boastful man, but he knew the authority and the respect that people had, the churches had for him and the other apostles and things. So he knew uh, even for people like he was, because in this we, he's talking about Peter and John and these guys that walked with Jesus and, and even himself who saw Jesus on the road, uh, heard him on the road to Damascus. He, he's, but he's, he knows what kind of weight that carries when he says we. He said, and so even if we, or even an angel from heaven, and let me tell you, people knew about angel, angelic visitations in that day because the Old Testament that they heard was full of it. All the time, angels showing up, telling them that you're going to have a child. An angel comes and tells uh, Samson's mother, you're going to have a child. You know, it's, it, there are angels showing up all the time, announcing things, telling things, pulling Lot and his family out of cities. They, they know about angels showing up. So he said, but even if an angel from heaven shows up and preaches another gospel unto you than what we have already preached, let him be accursed. And then he repeats himself. And so, as we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. Chapter 5 and verses 7 through 9, he said, You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Because this persuasion does not come from him that called you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. You can't let somebody in this world move you from the gospel that saved you. We've got to stick to the word of God. I know our young people especially, they have friends and by the dozens they are walking away from truth. And our young people have to watch people that they've worshipped with in camps and in services and prayed with in altars. They are watching them marry into wrong relationships. They're watching them go out into the world and do things they shouldn't do. They're, they're seeing that. I'm telling you, if we don't keep this word in our kids, we will lose our kids. If we don't keep preaching this gospel, this saving gospel to our kids and, and, and letting them know, hey, this is important, this is what you've got to do, we will lose them. You cannot wait until they are adolescents and you cannot wait until they are, are in high school and about to graduate before you start trying to tell them, hey, this is how you need to live for God because it just will not stick. 
You mean you've let me do all this all my life and now I've got to start tightening up? Let me tell you, train them up in the way they should go. Train them in the Word of God. Teach them what's in this book. Hey, Mom and Dad, you've got to do it because you have them a lot more than we have them. There's a lot more hours at home and school than there are at church. And even when they're here, sometimes, we, you know, how can you, you can't get it all in in that, that two or three hours we're here on Sunday? You've got to be a consistency. There's got to be some way so that they don't end up turning around and walking away from the very thing that saved them. If it was good enough to save us, it's good enough to save our kids. Well, you're not going to hurt them. You're not going to mess them up by teaching them to be holy because he's holy. You're not going to hurt them by telling them to stay away from certain things and avoid certain things. And, and I know there's some conversations that, hey, listen, uh, that I would rather avoid from across the pulpit that mom and dad ought to be having with their kids about staying out of back seats of cars and things like that. Hey, you know what? That's still wrong. It don't matter how much they say, oh, I love them. <laughs> don't even know what love is yet. But I feel like I'm married to them, but you ain't. <laughs> you stay out of them back seats. You stay out of them closed-off rooms. You stay out of that dark corner. I'm going to keep going. I'm just getting out of that. I'm going to move. Mom and Dad needs to be having conversations like that when they come of age and tell them that if you ain't married, you ain't married, and don't be acting like it in no form or fashion. Keep, mm, I got to move. It needs to be preached. It needs to be taught. It needs to be told. This, the, man, the moral temperature of this world is out of control. There is no more morality in this world. Do what you want to do. Do it as young as you want to do it. They're trying to make it okay and pass laws where pedophilia is okay. This world's lost its mind. But Peter preached and he said, he told him how to be saved, and he said with many other words did he testify and exhort. He wasn't making his own stuff up. He was preaching to him out of the word. With many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourself from this untoward or, or either this twisted and perverse generation. Even then, they had things to contend with. I wonder what Peter and him would think about how it was today. And I wonder how they would measure our preaching to the way they preached in their day because they could just preach it. But we worry because we've got to keep the lights on. Got to keep the air running. I pray God don't ever let me get so worried about things like that that I won't preach his word. I want to preach the word of God. So Paul says, don't get any other gospel going in your life. Don't listen to it. Because the gospel, according to Romans 1 and 16, is the power of God unto salvation. Don't twist the gospel. It saves you. You don't play with your salvation. Let me tell you, somebody who, who, who's maybe uh, diabetic and has to take an insulin shot, they don't play around with that insulin because they know it's life or death. Well, I just don't feel like taking that much today. I don't want to take a shot today. It's nice knowing you. You don't play around with salvation. 
in the gospels of Jesus Christ is our salvation, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord, loving him and keeping his commandments. That's our salvation. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? He wasn't writing that to sinners. He was writing that to church people. You can't neglect what got you here. You can't neglect the word that changed your life. You can't neglect the word that made you whole and washed you. You can't change those things and twist those things and walk away from those things and think, hey, I'm okay. Because often you don't even realize it until the next word comes to judge you. That's how it was with the old man of God in 1 Kings. He went on to that man's house. Evidently he wasn't worried about it. Sits down get him something to eat, and then the next word comes and tells him, here's your judgment because you disobeyed. I know, oh my goodness, Pastor, I've got to get up and go to work tomorrow, and you're killing me. I'm going to have nightmares all night. This is, I'm depressed. I can't even eat now. But I hope that you would see me in the same light as I saw my pastor when he preached like this to me. That I can't shut my mouth over things that I know God wants his people to know. And I take what I say seriously. Oh, you think I wouldn't rather be talking about moving mountains and raising the dead? That won't do us any good if we're lost. And it won't do us, we're going to have shipwreck if we get away from the word of God. We've got to stay and stick with what saved us. We've got to, in 1 Corinthians Chapter 3, I know I've given you a lot of scripture tonight, but when I do lessons like this, I try to because I want you to know that I'm not coming up with these things on my own, but there's the scripture says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. And so if I can give you plenty of witness in the scripture. So for the word, foundation is, it's vital, it's a must for success. Jesus said, a man that hears my word and keeps my word is like a man who dug deep and built his house on a rock or on a foundation. In 1 Corinthians 3 and 9, he said, for we are laborers together with God and you are God's husbandry and you are God's building. The church is God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds thereon, but let every man take heed how he builds thereon. For there is no other foundation uh, that no man can lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ, which goes to the same, if, another, if a man or an angel try to preach any other gospel, it's got to be accursed. There is no other foundation that can be laid than Jesus Christ, and you have to be careful how you build on Christ. You can't build outside of his word and then say he's your foundation. He said the foundation is when you hear the word and keep the word. And Paul said there is no other foundation than Jesus Christ. And you must be careful how you build on that. You think God wants anything other than what his word establishes built on that foundation? It won't stand. It won't last. It won't make it. We've got to stick to the word of God. Jesus began to warn the disciples in Matthew 24. They wanted to know what's going to happen at the end of time. And he said, listen, 
first off, foremost, he said, beware lest any man deceive you. And he said, there's some that will say, I'm Christ. He said, don't follow them. Well, I, you know, I got no problem. That, that's not going to get me. Somebody drops out of the sky today and says, hey, I'm Christ. He's already come. And when he comes again, we're going out. So, uh, you know, there, there's been people. I've seen them on the news. You've seen about them. You've read that they say they're Christ. He's, he's back. I'm back. And I'm doing this and doing that. I'm not worried about that. What's going to get people is in verses 23 and 24. If any man say unto you, Lo, here is Christ. Come over here. We've got him. We've got that foundation because he's the foundation. We've got that foundation. Just come over here. No, no, you don't, you don't even have to speak in, we don't even believe that speaking in tongues stuff, but we got the spirit. They might have a spirit. He said, listen, they're going to say, here is Christ. There ain't no other being I love more than Christ. In other words, this world is going to take what you love and use it to try and deceive you, to pull you. Something that would, that, oh, because I, I, you're going to be on this journey so long. And, oh, I just really want to see more of him. We're searching for more of him. We want more of him. Oh, hey, he's over here. Come over here. We've got him. We've got this program. We've got that program. But have you got the word? Have you got what the scripture says? Are you following it? Because let me tell you, works will never, ever replace worship. And you cannot be Jesus said the Father's looking for those that worship Him in spirit and truth. You cannot truly worship God outside of His Word. If you are outside of the Word of God, you can't worship God in spirit and in truth. His Word is truth. How can you worship Him in truth when you won't obey the truth, which is His Word? And so all these, hey, I ain't got anything against programs. I ain't got you know, groups that they have. That, fine, that's great. Outreach, that's great. But if you let go of everything else, if you can't preach the right foundation, if you're not preaching that people need to repent and be baptized and fill the Holy Ghost according to Scripture like the Bible says, and you're providing all kinds of programs, what good are you doing for anybody? But you're making them feel good. It's feeling good to their flesh. It's making their life. They're feeling good about their life. But they're empty inside because you're not giving them what the Scripture said. You know what's sad? is that I see people who have been born again and full of this truth flock into those places. You say, well, if they flock into them places, then it must be something wrong here. It's the time we live in. There's a great falling away coming. I believe that. And I believe that people are going to look for anything that will satisfy their flesh because the, the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And people are giving in to their flesh. In verse 24, he said, This shall arise false Christ, false prophets, and they'll show great signs and great wonders, and so much, if it were impossible, they will deceive the very elect. I don't want to be deceived. The thing about being deceived is you don't know you're deceived. In Colossians chapter 2, Paul 
So beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. If what is being preached is after the tradition of men, stay away from it. And if it's being preached according to all the papers and the things they wrote back in that Nicene Council, then you better stay away from it because it is the tradition of men. He said, In Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. Don't let nobody pull you away somewhere else. They're saying, oh, we got the right foundation. We got this. You can't just build any way you want to on Christ. But you have got to, uh, it can't be after the tradition of men and after the rudiments of this world. You've got, we can't be tied up in those things. Tradition and worldliness are not of the Father and they are not after Christ. John warned us that all those things in the world, the lust of the eye, the pride of life is not of the Father. In chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, he said, If you then be risen with Christ, if Christ has done that work in your life, then seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Stay away from worldliness. The church has got to stay away from worldliness, and we've got to keep our first love. Almost done. In 1 Timothy, chapter, no, I'm sorry. I think I gave you 1 Timothy, sis, but it was actually should have been 2 Timothy. It's my mistake. In 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 1, he said, This know also in the last days perilous times shall come. In 13, he said, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Who are they trying to deceive? The church. You know who that old prophet was trying to deceive? The man of God. And he deceived him. And he got him. And he was lost. He said, but you continue in the things that you have learned and has been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them. And from a child you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction and in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect. There's that man of God again. That's all he's referred to in 1 Kings as the man of God. And if he had continued in the things that he had learned, if he had stayed faithful to the scripture that got him there, he would be perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Paul then tells Timothy, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine for the time will come. When do y'all think that time's going to be? I believe it's on us now. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. It is happening right before our eyes in this world today. You can believe it. It's happening today. 
and it's sad to watch it. It's sad to see it. Let me tell you something. I don't care. Paul is basically saying, I don't care how much respect you have for me. If I preach anything else than what I have already preached, then you let me be accursed. And I'll tell you today, if I preach you any other thing than what I have already preached you, then let me be accursed. Because I believe in the Word of God. And I believe in it like it is. I don't have to change it or rearrange it to, to make it fit my life. And, and I'm not going to look at certain things. You know, I, I, on the smallest level, I might could see somebody's thinking when they say, well, you know, that's Old Testament, even though I don't agree with them. But I, I, can, I can see what, maybe where they're coming from because they think, well, that's Old Testament. But I, the Old Testament's relevant. But when they start shaving the words out of the New Testament, well, they, they believe Paul wrote what he wrote in Romans 10, 9 and 10. But they don't believe in Acts 2.38. They don't believe in anything else that him or Peter wrote about the way we should conduct ourselves or the way we should live our lives. They don't believe in where, where Peter said, well, we need to be holy because he's holy. They don't believe in come out and be separate and touch not the unclean thing, even though the same people wrote it. So they, they picking and choosing they are customizing everything today in this world. Hey, pick your own plan, pick your own phone plan, customize it, customize your TV channels, customize your radio stations. You can fit it all so it just fits your life. You can, you can set up your uh, iTunes. You can make your own playlist so you can, okay, I want this genre here. I want these songs in this order. And it, well, that's just the way I like it. I can go to Burger King and have it my way. I can do whatever. You know, I, can, I can go to Subway and tell them, put this on there. I can go to your pie. You know, everything is, we can customize. We can customize our cars, our homes, our clothing, our haircut, whatever. And now people want to customize their walk with God by shaving this word and trimming this word so that it does not interfere with what they want to do. I've had people say, I, well, if I, if I do that, Pastor, then I can't participate in this sport. Well, let's, let's just weigh that out. Sure. <laughs> well, if I do that, I can't, uh, you know, I, can't, I can't water ski in that. Really? I know people do it all the time. Yeah, but I'll look funny. There it is. I can't, I can't snow ski and stuff like that. Man, I've seen it. I have seen it done. I've seen women snow ski modestly. I've seen it done. Don't, don't tell me it can't be done. It may not want to be done, but it can be done. And let me tell you, if you can't do it, then don't do it because it ain't so important that, hey, uh, you got to lose out and, and compromise what you believe just for a few moments of entertainment. Find something else to do if that's what it takes. Don't compromise. Don't let your kids compromise Oh, protect your kids, protect your, these children that are coming up because this world's going to do everything it can. They, they're going to be in school with all kinds of people. You don't know what those parents in them other homes are, are teaching these kids or letting them watch or letting them do. And these kids are going to be talking to your kids. You've got to get that word in them so that they, they don't mean that they're going to be ugly to people or be hateful to people, but they can protect their minds and their hearts from things that would try to get them involved way too early and things they should never even know about.
My goodness. I know it's serious tonight, church. I know it's been serious tonight. But, but you know, this it's Wednesday night. It's, it's grown-ups and adults in here. And, and if, if we are not holding up the banner, if we're not standing for the truth, I would expect anybody else to do it. We've got to do it. We've got to be the church that God called us to be. And, you know, reading where Timothy, in Timothy where Paul had written all these things, it's when he goes on in to that next verse of, I am now ready to be offered. You know, Paul lived by the things he preached, and that's why he was able to say, I'm ready to be offered. There's nothing left for me to do. I'm, I'm done. I've done. I've done everything I was supposed to do. I've kept the faith. I've held to it. I know you can come to the music. In Jude, verse 3 and 4, he was writing to the saints. He said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was as needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. If there's ever been an argument for completely ignoring everything they did in that Nicene Council, it's right there. Because this was written before that. And he said, you need to contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Not what they're going to write years later. For there are certain men crept in unaware who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Denying the foundation. Denying the word that was made flesh. Denying our hope, our Savior, our healer, our deliverer. I like him for miracles. I just like for him to stay out of the rest of my life. That's the way they treat him today. Oh, I want a healing. I want a healing, but I don't want to stop going where I go or doing what I do. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go to church. Maybe that's why they don't, you know, the scripture talks about. And I'm fine with people putting prayer requests out, things like that. But the Bible says that if you're sick, call for the elders. Let them anoint you with oil and pray for you. But I don't want to have to go to church. Just pray for me. Well, I will. But what if you just obey, obey the scripture? I really need a healing. But if you really needed one, you'd be doing whatever it took. And you'd be on your way to an altar somewhere. I've seen people say, oh, I want the Holy Ghost. I need the Holy Ghost. And service is rocking and rolling and going. And, and they're sitting in their seat. Altar call comes. They're sitting in their seat. After church, I really need the Holy Ghost. Yeah, you look like it. Because you move a muscle. People are afraid of altars, afraid to pray, afraid to repent, afraid of, pre- of preaching afraid of God's word. Well, if I don't read it, the Bible says to them that know much, much be required. If I don't know it, isn't that some crazy logic? I just stay away from the word because if I don't know it, I can't be held accountable for it. You just told God what you were doing right there. You're You're hiding from it. And so, you know, 
So he might just say, so what you thought of me was that I would put something in there that, that would hurt you, that you think I would do something that would make your life harder or worse off. You can't, you can't circumvent it. You can't get around it. Just obey the word of God. If you love him, keep his commandments. Don't, he said, keep them. Don't trim them. Don't add to them. Don't ignore them. Keep them. That's the word he used. Keep my commandments. Keep them just like I said them. Keep them just like I had them written down. Keep them just like they are in the book. Keep the word of God. Let's come find a place to pray for a few moments tonight. Ask the Lord to search our hearts. God, let me be in your word. Let me stay faithful to your word tonight. Keep me in the fear of you, God, in the fear of your word. Jesus, we love you. Praise you, God.
Jesus. Appreciate you being in the house of the Lord tonight. Don't forget Pentecost Sunday. We're going to have a great time in the Lord. And invite somebody to church. Let's, let's pack the house out for Pentecost Sunday and just see God do some great things. Looking forward to a great word, great worship. Have a great week. Be safe. Be careful. And we'll see you Sunday, the Lord willing. And you can be dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you.
your family.